You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. On today's Hey Mitch, I talked to Revolt Wrestling's champion, Aaron Andrews. Uh, I've now gotten a chance to see him wrestle twice, and dude is amazing. So uh, it'd be great if you could uh, give this interview a listen and follow him on social media. Support uh, these local fighters and entertainers and uh, go and see their shows and participate in any way you can. It's a great interview. I was glad, I'm glad I got to talk to him and support them, and uh, I hope you also enjoy it. Remember, we are now Geek Elite Media. Every time I say Geek Elite Radio, it should be replaced with Geek Elite Media. Follow us on social media as well. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Gist is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad, when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. Hey, Mitch! 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 Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. What up, Mitch? Hey, Mitch. 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 Welcome back for another episode of Hey, Mitch. Uh, today, joined by Aaron Andrews, current champion of Revolt Wrestling, I believe. Yes. Okay. I, yep, yep. I saw you at the uh, show that uh, Revolt put on at the um, American Legion, I believe it was. Yes. So, uh, and I just want to say that was a great show and you did an amazing job. So I, I was glad that I got to see you capture the the belt at that event. Yeah, no, it's been a nearly three year long chase for the title. <laughs> there, I mean... So. Can we talk about that a little bit? Like, what goes into uh, putting putting into a, uh, I guess, going for the title like that? I mean, what what kind of do you have to do campaigning amongst uh, the the group, or is it just how is it that it's decided, or whether or not you you get to go for the title? Um, honestly, I, I in some places there definitely is like a. I want to be next kind of mentality, mm-hmm. but like, uh, I'm not really like that. I've been pretty much like, what do you want me to do? Can I go ahead and do it? And that's pretty much how I handle every company I work for. It's like, what do you need me to do? What do you want? And then I do my best to deliver that. Now, have, has it been, is it been three years revolt or three years in wrestling altogether? How long, how long have you been doing this as a career? It's, it's been three years altogether, but I was trained by Revolt, and I was on the first Revolt show. That's oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so, so Revolt's about three years old then. Yes. And what what made you first want to to join up with Revolt or even start start wrestling uh, in a professional capacity? Well. I got into wrestling like relatively late. Most people, when you hear them talk about like, oh, I was watching wrestling since I was a kid or whatever. But I got into wrestling when I was like 16. Mm-hmm. But it was it was like the one because I, I like I can watch sports. And up until recently, even like the UFC, I wasn't all that interested. I was like, OK, I'd much rather watch anime or like read a book. <laughs> but I watched wrestling. And I was like, there's just something different about it. And I was like. I want to do this. Hmm. And then it was uh, my friend, who's also a wrestler, um, Mr. Wright. He was like, hey, I know I've been going to Mexico for a year, but there's this company opening up and they're training in Welton. You Would you be willing to travel with me? I'll pick you up. We can go to the check it out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Because it was either... Because my knowledge about Arizona wrestling was so, like, minuscule. Even though Arizona does have, like, this weird 
entrenched history of wrestling that like is kind of underground but so i was like yeah sure we'll we'll, we'll go we'll check it out and it just took off from there that's fascinating so Arizona has a, a underground history of wrestling. I didn't. I didn't know about this. What, what can you speak to any of that? Um, like the the company in Tucson I work for, High Impact Wrestling, mm -hmm. has been going on for twenty years. Wow. Something like that. Some they've been going on since like the nineties, and it's like that. You know what I mean? Like, and then like you have people like a uh, Navajo Warrior and Prophet. Who are kind of like Arizona legends in a way. Mm. They've been all over the world. But for some reason or another, you know, in, in wrestling right now, we're kind of having like a resurgence on a like a homegrown level. Right. Where people are they're not only watching what's on TV, but they're going to their local show to get more. And uh for for some reason, Arizona's kind of like and we just we're we're missing something. We'll figure it out. Everyone in Arizona's kind of like everyone in Arizona wants Arizona wrestling to succeed, but th those two guys in particular, they're they're like kind of guys who like have been all over the place. Navajo Warrior, who had like a like was a wrestler in the '80s for the WWE. Uh, Profit's been to Japan, so we we have like a backbone, a solid backbone. It's just recently we've gotten a new wave of new guys, and all these new guys are inspired by like what's going on in the world right now. So everyone just like we can make it big. We we believe in ourselves. No, oh, well, so I'm hoping we can pop it off and make Arizona wrestling a lot more mainstream than it is. Well, I, I mean, you'd be surprised. Oh, I'm what? sorry. Go ahead. No, because you'd be surprised. Some like uh, we did a show for Crossroads Mission in Yuma, mm -hmm. and we got 500 people. That's a pretty good right? crowd. Yeah, and then there are other places in Arizona where they get way more than that. But it's something I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a Arizona thing or if it's a culture thing. But like, not a lot of people are like they go to this stuff. I don't know if it's maybe like the this is ours and we don't want anyone else to know about it. <laughs> but it definitely seems like there are definite times where it's like you have super fans who are just like they go to everything. They go to like all the shows in like just Arizona, and it's like kind of ridiculous like to think. That they're putting in like that much of their own hard-earned money to travel from show to show to show to show because they love wrestling that much. So let me ask you this: Before you uh, started wrestling, did were you into competitive sports, or how did like, how did you um, did you have any background that that prepared you for what you were going to be getting into, uh, either competitive sports-wise or maybe even theater? Uh, no, actually, uh, I'm I'm one of those weird people because i didn't really know what i wanted to do for the longest time so like i kind of was just like i guess like me being young and stupid instead of being like well i don't know what i want to do but i might as well try everything out i was like well i'm just not gonna do anything <laughs> and so it like you can ask um like my trainer hank godwin josh archer alex stream like my three main trainers i had no talent for this whatsoever when i first started and I like to say that uh, I don't have natural born talent, but I've worked on this skill. You know? Uh-huh. Because there are some people, like, they get in the ring, they instantly get it. I didn't instantly get it at all. But I've, three years, it's just been keeping my nose to the ground, listening to what people tell me, taking every opportunity to better myself. And I think I wouldn't. I like I, I like you're supposed to say oh I'm really damn good. But, <laughs> I don't know I've always been more I like to hedge myself and I'm like I'm good you know I'm not the best out there but I'm I'm good you know what I mean. I mean humbling is or uh, humility is not a a bad quality to have so but I I would understand maybe in in your your field you, you kind of always want to be pumping yourself up right. Yeah, it's like one of those things where a lot of people tell you, like, uh, if you don't think you're the best out there, then you shouldn't be going out there. Ah. But I've seen so many people who are like, I'm the best out there, and then they believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I mean, some people are really good, and there are certain people who are definitely at the top of the food chain, so to speak. But then there are other guys who aren't, 
but that that's just the mentality they have and sometimes it rubs people the wrong way sometimes it doesn't um i like to equate it for uh different strokes for different folks right some people handle situations differently some people they need they need to believe that they're the best to have the confidence to go out there um i know people in wrestling who are really self-deprecating but they go out there and kill it every time they're in the ring so it, it, it's all like every one of us has our own individual way we get ourselves psyched up to go out there and our own way to temper our expectations of what we can and can't do I mean, I, I mean that obviously makes sense. Yeah, definitely different strokes for different folks, and it's going to take all types of people to make a, a company successful. I would believe so. Uh, uh so training wise, what I mean, what have you done, or what did you have to do to prepare yourself when you were you're starting out when you're first starting out? Like, what what did training consist of? Uh, training consisted of some stretching, which okay. is very important i um i kind of slacked off for a year and a half on stretching before i went out there and wrestled and i definitely feel the difference (laughs) if i don't get a chance to stretch uh i like the show you were at i was actually i had like really bad back spasms that whole week before the show oh no and like i was like literally like before the show started i had people like stretching me out because i couldn't really like I was like, oh, no, like I'm like I was limping before the show even started. And I was like, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm sure that at a point in time like that, that'd be uh, adrenaline would probably be the best best thing for you when you get out there and it just kind of pushes the pain away. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's uh, one of the benefits and downfalls of what we do is it's such a it's such a like high you know what I mean? Right. That like when it's gone, like some people, like including myself, I felt it where I've been really high, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then you get home, and then you just everything just kind of drops, and you're sore, and you're like, <laughs> man, can I have another match? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that the adrenaline spike back up. But so would you say yeah. that? Um the stretching would be the most important or like, cause it, since it's such a, you know, uh, anaerobic feat that you're doing in, uh, in the ring would, would cardio be the most important or are you straight up lifting weights all the time? Oh no, I'm definitely not a body guy. There are certain guys who are really hard on body. They, then, I mean that, that works for them. Um, I work out, obviously you have to, Mm-hmm. But I'm not worried about like gaining. I'm worried about like maintaining and making sure like everything is kind of running smoothly. But uh, for for me specifically, at least, training was more about because there's there's no such like you can run on a treadmill for miles, and like you can run five miles on a treadmill and not be blown up or not be like out of breath. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole different ball game when you're in the ring. Oh yeah. Because it's not a sprint, it's not a walk, it's not a jog, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. And then also when you're running, you're not falling, and you're not hitting your back on anything. <laughs> so, but but the answer to your original question, I, for me it was just basics, roles, learning how to take care of yourself when you when you when you have to do the the moves and stuff, and and that's just what I like to focus on when I. Whenever someone comes up to me, like, uh, I'm by no means a veteran at all, but whenever some of the younger guys at some of the shows I meet and they're like, oh, well, what advice can you give me? And I say, just work on your basics. Mm. Work, 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 work. You'll never, you'll never be good enough on your basics to not work on them anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, probably always a good thing to have right there at the forefront of your mind. Yeah. Well, some people like to overcomplicate things a bit. <laughs> I mean, that's just true in life, right? Yeah, but it, especially like because what pro wrestling is, it's a lot of like there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of knowing. Like, like I got hurt doing. I just, I just took a bad fall at a show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, and I messed up my ribs and it's like that's not something where it's like 
oh, that's that's your fault or it's my fault. It's just stuff happens, and mm-hmm. you gotta like acknowledge that like things are gonna happen. Uh, I think it was like maybe my tenth match. I did like a knee to the corner, spun out to the center, and I twisted my ankle. Like it, it's just freak accidents like that that just happen. Right. I mean. So. That, and that's probably got to be pretty scary when something like that happens. I mean, you you don't quite know at the moment if it's really serious or not, right? Yeah, no. Um, actually, I had to take a two months off, roughly, because uh, I hit my head. I, I like I took a dive where the dude came at me, whatever. But then the back of my head hit the guardrail, and like I just thought it was a flash concussion because mm. you see the white light, right? And for a second, you you like. At least for me, like with the minimal amount of concussions I've got, thankful concussions I've gotten, thankfully, I usually just be a moment of white light and then like a split second where I can't hear anything, and then it all just comes back with like a ring, like a, and then like the noise is back on. Right. And uh, I was like, well, this sucks. That that was a concussion. Like I'm gonna have to like, cause I, I the normal protocol for most places is take two weeks off if you hit your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have any shows for two weeks. So I was like, no, you know what? I'll be fine. Uh, the dude who was uh, driving me home was like, do you need me to go to the hospital? Like you look really messed up. And I was like, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's just, it's just a concussion. You know, you deal with stuff. And uh, the next day, like I lost all sense of vertigo and I nearly like passed out. Yikes. And I was like, oh, so I was like, oh no. So I was like, I guess I do got to go to the hospital. And I had post-concussion, post-concussion brain syndrome. Right. Which means that your brain is fine, but your brain doesn't think it's fine. So, like, because I, I got the CTs on my brain and everything came back fine. No damage, no nothing. But because I just hit my head in the right way, I guess, or the wrong way, um, my brain just thought I was still concussed. Hmm. So like I had to take like a month and a half off and some change and that killed me. That killed me because we we do practice because I live out with the the revolt ring. Right. So like I'm used to like being in the ring at least once a day even if it's just doing basic rolls to get sprawled out and I was like man this sucks. Like I can't do anything like like you're not supposed to drink, you're not supposed to lift heavy objects. Like you're just supposed to sit there and recover and like And did you have to uh get another scan before you could start doing stuff again or is it just you knew after a certain amount of time you were okay? I think I lost you. Um, uh, the doctor pretty much just told me cause I, I was suffering from severe migraines and he told me the moment your migraines stop, you'll be good. Cause that's the, the main symptom. And he was right. Uh, after the first couple of days, all of like the, the stuff that you would think is major, mm-hmm. they just kind of dropped off. They stopped. It was just the headache, the constant headache. But it, I woke up one day and it was gone. I was like, finally, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean that 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 that's good that it ended up turning out okay. So uh, you know, but I imagine, yeah, that was that's pretty. I don't want to say terrifying, but like frustrating while you were sitting there waiting. Pretty much. So, uh, what would you consider yourself as a wrestler? Like a, would, are you a high flyer? Do you a power move technical guy? Um. I like to think I'm a hybrid. Um, I'm definitely not a high flyer in like the sense of you think like springboard, hurricane ranas, 450s. Like I can't really do any of that despite okay. my size. Um, but and I'm, I'm not like I can't go like in Europe. They have like all these crazy chain combinations that people like to learn. I, like I don't have the memory for that. But uh, I, I just think I'm really simple, mm-hmm. I'm really basic. Okay. And, and like, I just, I work with what the other person likes to do. 
or what the other person's style is. So if the other person likes to go really simple stuff, we're gonna have a really simple, solid match. Uh, if they want to go some other stuff, well, I can do that. Um, I've actually been going to Mexico and I've been learning a lot of like traditional lucha libre. That's it's interesting because they do everything from the opposite side. So, but that's just no, no. I like to, I like to go with what my opponent does. Can you explain that a little bit more? What do you mean by the opposite side? Uh, in um, American pro wrestling, it's from the left. So, like when you lock up, oh, okay. The left is the arm that goes out, and if you like, if you're doing anything to someone, you're doing it from the left. In lucha libre, it's from the right. And yeah. it, it doesn't seem like that big of a thing, but it really is because it like when you're drilling, it's like you don't do that. That's wrong. And then you go to Mexico, they're like, you don't do that. That's wrong. <laughs> no, like, I would I would assume that is a that is a huge thing to have to to relearn or or break yourself of because yeah, like you said, you're drilling every day all the time uh, to the right, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, you have to do it to the left now. It's that's rewiring re rewiring your brain completely. Yeah. Now, do you know if there's a is there a reason why in in America you do it all to the left and then in Mexico you do it all to the right or is just the way it's just always been? Uh, I think it's just the way it's always been. Um and it's also the stylistic differences too. Um American pro wrestling was built who like did a lot of big stuff in terms of like they wrestled like big guys you know like when you think of american wrestling you think of guys like hulk hogan mm -hmm. andre the giant like these big larger than life characters and mexico their style is built off high action high pace larger than life superheroes because of the masks and the tradition of the whole thing that they do there so i think i think it's just a style difference and i also think it's kind of cultural like in Mexico and every barrio, there's usually an arena. Mm. So is is and, is that something that you're gonna? Is that something you implement? Are you doing a mask? Are you, are you anything like that? While you're no, learning? I, I no, I just honestly, it's on the job training pretty much. But no, I'm the same person there as I am here for the most part. Okay. And it's just, I'm just thankful the. The, the promoter in Mexico, Gabriel Suarez, he really likes me. He From my first match, he's always liked my stuff. He was one of like my early-on supporters. And he was like, I was actually a fill-in because someone dropped out at the last minute. And he's like, hey, man, I know it's last minute, but can you please make it? And ever since I was able to pull, like it was literally like, it was literally like the night before, so like not even 12 hours notice. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And ever <laughs> since then, he's just, he just kept bringing me on. He's so thankful because, like I said before, like I'm just very much like, what do you need me to do? What do you want? Let I me mean, give it to you. I mean, that's awesome. And I, I assume that, you know, as a, a person up and coming in the business, it's uh, it's good to be known as the person that will, will be there in the clutch. Yeah. Um. It, it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, in a way because they they know they can count on you for anything, but they also know they can count on you for anything. Yeah, I get that as as well. So, are you learning anything exciting that you you're you're um you know wanting to put into your routine your your bag of moves? Yeah. Um. I've I've been I have a few things that are in my back pocket, a few things I haven't done in a while that I can bust out. I just um specifically like I have a few things like I kind of like like to do, but I don't want to be known as like a, a move guy. Oh okay. Like specific because like there are so many guys who are like oh you're gonna see this awesome move from him, mm -hmm. or you're gonna see awesome moves, but like I want people to be like entertained. Right. Like, beyond just the concept of, like, oh, this is wrestling. I'm a wrestling fan, so I like good wrestling. I, like, I I try to make sure, so, like, if you showed your, let's just say, your brother, sister, or, whatever, or your brother, sister, but, like, your sister-in-law 
who doesn't know anything about wrestling and you showed her one of my matches, she'd be entertained by it. And not just because, hey, you know, this is going to be the a great move that you're going to be seeing right now. It'd just be like the whole thing would be entertaining. Yeah. So then like, do you do you particularly have a, a finisher move and or a signature move? I I have things that I've been using. I've that's one of my things that like even in three years, usually by three years people have like the move that they do. I still don't. Mm-hmm. I've toyed around with a couple things, um, and I don't know. I just haven't found anything that's like it just feels natural to end it on, you know? Right. Because a lot of like finishing moves, they feel kind of forced, mm. you know, like. This is my finishing move, so therefore I must win with this. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean if, especially the ones where you know the per the the opponent has to get into a certain position for the move to to work out right. You know, like uh, I don't know, someone being thrown off the ropes or something like that, right? Yeah, and like I understand, like the the finishing move is pretty much like a trope of right. wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's it's supposed to the the main reason you do a finishing move is so the crowd knows it's over, so if it isn't, so if the match isn't over, it subverts the expectation. So it's like, oh my gosh, what's he gonna have to do next? But <laughs> usually when it's like, what's he gotta do next? It's just hit the same move another time. Yeah, that's true. You're right. So I just I try to stay away from trying to pigeonhole myself into one thing, but I definitely need to find something i can do just for the sake of ease on me do you have a a particular thing that you do that i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be a move but maybe you know like the old school hulk hogan hand to the ear thing that you do to get the crowd going oh i uh, honestly i do the hulk hogan ear thing okay it's mostly as a gag to make myself laugh (laughs) like you look at Hulk Hogan, and then you look at someone my size, and it's definitely not the same. <laughs> but like, I I figure, if I'm entertaining myself, I'm hopefully entertaining other people. You know what I mean? Because if if I'm having a good time, or you see like someone in the ring having a good time, you're like, oh, I can have a good time too. Oh yeah, yeah. That that makes complete sense. So, so yeah, that'd be that's a that's probably a a good thing to, to show off your showmanship to make sure that the crowd is having a good time. Uh, when you got into wrestling as an, as a fan, was there a particular wrestler that you idolized? Uh, this is going to sound so weird. You have to take note for anyone listening, but okay. I got into wrestling late and I didn't have a concept of like, who you're supposed to like or who you weren't supposed to like. <laughs> so when I first got into wrestling, my favorite wrestler was a dude named Kurt Hawkins. Okay. And he he was just on this run. He was like, I don't know, there's something about him. He just seemed like he was having fun out there. And I was like, oh, I want to, like, I like that. Like, he, he didn't do anything that was, like, unimaginable. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, he wasn't doing corkscrew 630s, which... I enjoy seeing those too. Don't get me wrong, but like on a relatable level, I'm like, I can I can relate to this guy. Like he he's not the biggest guy out there, all like muscled up, but he's has some size on him, and like he was really basic and was entertaining. And then it moved from there, and then it was CM Punk for the longest time, where nice. I was like, I related to it. Uh, the whole like i struggle like i like because in in oh like when you really think about it if you're like a publicly traded company what do why wouldn't you put all your eggs in the basket behind the dude who's like i don't do drugs i don't drink i don't smoke i just show up and do my job do all the media ask me and then i go home like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no that makes sense like a, and i was like oh this dude's like yeah, you know, and then obviously you, taste change over time, and then you find certain things where you're like, oh, this is my favorite wrestler. But then you realize you just really like the match a lot, <laughs> and it doesn't mean that like he's your favorite wrestler now. You just there's a couple of matches by them you really like. Right? Yeah, that that, that yeah. you did a really good job on. So yeah, once you finally 
I guess, got into the terms of, you know, which wrestlers are you're supposed to end up liking and not liking? Were you, uh, or at least recognizing that in the, in the storyline, did, were you, were you, uh, uh, did you, were you a baby, uh, were you a face kind of guy or were you a heel kind of guy? I mean, which, which wrestlers did you care for? I was for? a heel kind of guy. Yeah. Definitely a heel kind of guy. And I don't know what it was. It, uh, cause when I first got into wrestling and you're like, okay, this dude just slapping fans hands. So, okay. So yay. He's being nice <laughs> to people. But then like, I don't know, like, uh, like with the CM Punk first Jeff Hardy storyline, the whole story was like Jeff Hardy was this beloved baby face who had a track record of, uh, failing wellness policies and like he had to leave the company for a little bit to deal with like his own issues and he's like you guys cheer for him but i'm straight edge i haven't done any of that but you boo me and you boo me because you know you couldn't be straight edge like i am <laughs> what a way to come and, like, around you just, yeah but the, but then like you see like the the people booing in the crowd have like a beer in their hand they're like boo and it's like are you booing? Because you realize he's kind of right. <laughs> and then, like, I don't know. I've always been a fan of, like, the bad guy who just speaks his mind and is honest. Because it sometimes does feel like, especially now that I'm more of a face now everywhere I go, that, like, you, you got to, like, try to, like, adhere yourself to the fans. You got to mm -hmm. try to go out there and be like, yeah, you got to try to make a connection. Like when I was a bad guy, it was just so easy because I just walk out there and like ignore everyone. <laughs> or like someone would say something like to you and you could roast them back and the crowd would pop and like laugh at the guy because he got roasted. And like, I don't know, but I do say being a heel for me is way easier. But being a baby face is more rewarding for me because it's actually like I have to work for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, is which one you prefer to do, being the face or the heel. So if uh, it's more rewarding to be the face, but more, but easier to be the heel, uh, do you have a preference? Uh, I definitely prefer being a heel. Okay. I have way more, f I personally have a lot more fun, like, being like this arrogant, napoleon complex kind of guy where it's like where i can just go out there and like i don't want to use the words be myself because <laughs> i don't i don't actually think i'm a bad person but there are definitely times where i'm very antisocial. my humor is really dark like messed up kind of like humor and i just get to be more like i get to use more of that because there are days where i wake up and i'm like i don't want to talk to people Right. I, like, I don't I don't I don't wanna like do that. But then there are days where I wake up and I'm like, oh, I should message my friends and see what they're up to. Like So like a more heightened uh version of yourself maybe. Exactly. Um so then getting into faces and heels storyline wise now earlier you said you're kind of more of the whatever the company wants you to do you do kind of thing do you have any input on storylines that involve you or anything like that um specifically with revolt we have such good management and that i, I don't want to phrase that in the way where i say when i say what later on that other companies don't but revolt is so good at handling the, the storyline aspect, they're so good on making sure that everyone from top to or from bottom to top, top to bottom, they're doing something. Mm -hmm. And they're not just doing something for the sake of having a match. They're doing something to further a story later on down the line. That's awesome. other companies, other companies, because with with Revolt specifically, there are one of the few companies that have like they know they have this core group of guys who are always going to be able to make it to every show. They're always going to be there to help. So they don't really have to worry about like, okay, well, uh, this guy couldn't make it or that guy couldn't make it. So we got to put something together. And then obviously some companies I worked for, like I can understand it too. Like if I'm running a show and I have to worry about 
money and I have to worry about making sure fans came from the door and I had to worry about making sure everything was set up with the venues and all that. Like the last thing I would want to worry about is like, oh, this dude didn't show up. Okay, uh, you, you go out there and have a match. Like the last thing I would... core roster then it was going to be there almost all the time and some companies don't have that pleasure some companies are like they think they have a solid card down and then half the people don't show up oh, okay so as a promoter of those shows i can understand the last thing you'd want to do when you have so many other things to take care of when you already thought you got what should be one of the easiest things to do done which is getting everything together for the show because you got to deal with promote like uh, venues and money and getting the fans through the door. The last thing I'd want to do if I was a promoter in that situation is have to sit there and have to figure out like why. Okay, so all half my wrestlers dropped. So now I got to figure out why wrestler A is re wrestling wrestler B. Right. Well, screw it. You guys are wrestling. Just go out there and have a match. And it's in those moments where I like I feel like I can flex a little bit more creatively. And I can say, well, what if we do this? I know you don't you don't have the time and you're probably too stressed out to think of something. Mm -hmm. I just have to worry about what I'm doing. So let me worry about what I'm doing and help me make it better for your show. So then when you have to uh you know improv like that on on, on this on the spot is that something that you also train for is that like hey I I know that if uh I get into this situation with this person, uh, we'll be able to work something out on the, on the fly. Um, you can get told about it. You can go, Hey, some things aren't going to go the way they're supposed to. Uh, some things are going to happen out of nowhere. Sometimes you're just going to show up to a show and you're going to be asked to wrestle. But those are situations where you have to be in them to really, because it's one thing to talk about it. It's like a, the written test versus the driving test. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between like, okay, you know you're supposed to turn your left blinker on, so you click question A on the screen. But, but then you get in the, behind the wheel and you forget to flip the blinker because it's, it's a difference between like talking and action. Right, being book smart, being you know practical smart kind of thing yeah so in uh when you started training or uh, to this point in your in your career has there been one big surprise that you didn't know about before going into wrestling that you're now you that you now know uh the quality of people okay and how different everyone is. Like, I don't think you're going to get a more eclectic group of human beings than you are in a wrestling locker room. Because I've been in a wrestling locker room where the only thing anyone in that whole backstage had in common was that they liked wrestling and they were wrestlers. <laughs> Other than that, like, they're completely different. Complete walks of life, completely different circumstances that got them there. So it's it's very interesting when you go into a locker room and you're like, oh, how's this person react? And most of the time, people are just chill. They're just worried about what they got to worry about, and that's just how they like to function. And then there are some people that are really like, what are you guys doing? I don't want to do anything that you guys are doing. Or then you got some people who just like, I've I've seen like wrestlers who literally slept the whole time before their match. Someone woke them up. It's like, oh, the match with four years is on. They got up, put on their gear, walked out there, and then killed it. <laughs> but then I've also seen people who, like, they're, like, pacing back and forth, like, trying to, like, because they're so anxious and worried. And it's like, they're just, like, a very eclectic group of individuals, male and female, because I've, I've been in locker rooms with both. And you're not going to get a different group of individuals, I don't think, in any other form of entertainment or sport. So that's interesting you bring that up. Is Have you done any uh, intergender matches? No, I was actually supposed to do one, but unfortunately I had to pull out of the, the show. <laughs> but that's it's definitely on my goal because I've wrestled a, a mini. 
Okay. And that's a polite way of saying a uh, little person or midget. Right. And that was on the that was one of my lists. Uh, I've wrestled someone who's wrestled in Japan. And then that's that's one of the little tiny nicks I want to get off my belt. It's intergender match, just for the experience. Have you I want to see why. What? Oh no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I just I just want to see what like the how different it is because I've heard so many different people talk about how like. Well, when you wrestle someone of the opposite sex, you, you have to wrestle them like they're the opposite sex. But if you talk to a lot of female wrestlers about it, they don't want to be treated like they're a member of the opposite sex when they're in the ring with you. They want to they want to be treated as an equal, as a peer. So I want to I want to go out there and I want to have the ability to tear it down with a person of the opposite sex because we're both professional wrestlers. Right. I mean, that's I, the, the question I was going to ask was that uh, had you had you had you had an opportunity to to train with someone of the opposite sex yet, even though you hadn't had the match? Yes. And you, you treat them. Uh, what's up? Well, I was going to say, since you said yes, I was going to say, is that did, did it was it was it different? I mean, were you able to 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 accommodate to to do the treat her the same way that you would uh, a male wrestler? Well, that's uh, one of the things that um, specifically, because like I said, I do live out with the ring. So whenever we have, we've had new trainees, we've had females come in and try out. And one of the things that I say to them is like, some of these guys here, and some of the other guys who came in for practice may treat you differently when you're in the ring. I'm not going to. Mm. Like, you want to be a wrestler, you're going to get trained properly, or at least the way that like I was trained. You're going to have to do everything all of us do. And we're not going to treat you any differently. Because it's it's for their safety, ultimately. Right. That they go through everything guys go through. To, to put it in that example. But I've also met female wrestlers who are way more talented than some, some of the guy wrestlers I've met. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get typecasted into this role of like oh they're a female wrestler they're some companies still in this day and age have this mindset of like female wrestling is an attraction versus like they're just wrestlers right like like that's just that's one thing that kind of bothers me there's some like i also think it's with all forms of media still there's some like a holdover of sexism well enter- entertainment and sports for that matter were uh very male dominated but i i think that's ending especially with WWE doing the whole women's evolution having a whole just women's pay-per-view for a mainstream worldwide company i think it's very eye-opening for some people where they're like oh okay this isn't just the okay while they're wrestling i go in and make a sandwich match like no this is <laughs> like you're gonna you know, because that's how for years a lot of I feel like male wrestling fans and some female wrestling fans felt about the women performers, right. you know, and that's definitely unfair, because at least like, because on an independent level you kind of make your own schedule, so you work as much as you can or as much as you don't want to. Right. On a WWE schedule, you're working the same amount of dates as everyone else for the most part. Mm-hmm. So it's like you you can't discredit just because they're given less time on TV doesn't mean that they're not making every single house show that the guys are making. So it's like you got to give them the same level of base respect as you give everyone else. So is is that also something that you're is that is that an end goal for you to get to something like the WWE or is that just more uh not even thinking about something like that? Okay. Um I if the opportunity came for me to work for the World Wrestling Entertainment, I would take it in a heartbeat. Okay. Anyone who says otherwise either is able to make a ton of money elsewhere or they weren't watching WWE when they were growing up. Okay. Um however, my my big goal, my big goal, this is like the bucket list. If I do this, and then the next day I get hit by a bus, I'll be happy, <laughs> is I want to work a junior heavyweight tournament in Japan. 
Awesome. Because those are kind of like for for people my size, for people of my weight and my height, um, those are kind of like pinnacle examples. Like if you're on one of those, even if it's just once, you're kind of in this long list of top tier light heavyweights. People like uh, the original Tiger Mask or Dynamite Kid or uh, Jushin Liger who still wrestles when he broke in in like the late 80s. And th those are like kind of like these top tier light heavyweights that are like famous now and they'll be famous forever. Mm -hmm. And when you go to Wikipedia and you look up best of the super juniors from New Japan and you look at like the thing, it doesn't matter if they're there just that once. They're still there on that giant list of names that still, even though it's a long list of names, it's still a selective list of names when you take in the amount of people who wrestle every year or are active. So that's that's definitely like one of my goals is I want to get there. I want to do one tournament. And then obviously if they want me to come back and do another <laughs> one, I, they know. But that's 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 my bucket list. That's the one thing where I'm like, I don't care. People can say I suck. People can say they don't like me. But if I if I do one of those, I don't care. So to to get to something like that or or, you know, a, a bigger show, like, is it? on you to get an agent of sorts or is it more uh you call making phone calls yourself or just having to get recognized and called to the big show there are certain uh people who are known as scouts okay um you can message them some of your stuff like oh here's my matches here's my stats i'm this weight i'm this tall i'm this whatever but ultimately, what I really think it is, is especially in this day and age, you just need to get a buzz about yourself. And people are going to hear. Independent wrestling is so big that if you can get some form of buzz behind yourself, a company's going to take notice and try to sign you. So then social media so, would be really important. Yeah, social media is pretty much the biggest tool I as a performer have to get my stuff out there. Or to promote things I want to promote. Um, at the same time, I say that, but I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> I, I would say a Twitter and an Instagram are probably two biggest tools at this point. Yeah, I have an Instagram, but I specifically avoid Twitter. I, I just think 140 characters isn't really the best way to promote yourself. Like you can, cause I mean, you can tweet out like, Oh, I'm going to be at this show. Come see me. But I think I'm going to have a bigger range of an audience posting that on Facebook ah. with a public timeline where just not my friends can see it. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it is 280 characters now, just so you know, but. <laughs> oh, okay. See, that's how, that's how far behind I am. <laughs> um, so are I mean, especially with uh, indie uh, promotions like you like you're speaking of, I would imagine the social media ha helps for being able to do um, storylines or cut promos and and have videos and stuff like that. Yeah, um, definitely one thing I was doing. I need to get back in the habit of doing it. Was before every show that I was booked on, I would cut a promo. If Sometimes I didn't know who I was working. So instead of having to cut a promo on someone, I have to cut a promo promoting myself. Right. Like an old school 80s vignette where they <laughs> talk to the camera and they're like, I'm Mr. Perfect and I'm absolutely perfect. You know, I catch his football that he threw across the yard line or whatever. <laughs> and there were some times where I'd know who I was wrestling, so I'd cut a promo on them. And I, I kind of thought of a habit because that's one thing I kind of, I just like, I don't know really have it and there are sometimes we're like i'll go look at those promos now and i'm like oh god they're so bad but at the time i'm like yeah that was a good promo <laughs> but i definitely think from like where i first started to now my promo skills are definitely better so do you have I had... oh sorry keep going no i was gonna say because i really have like no public speaking or theater background so a lot of my stuff was like, how 
Because, like, a lot of people, when they first get into wrestling, they want their gimmick to be, like, I'm a badass. So it's like, I try to do that, and it really doesn't work for me. <laughs> so it's like, all right, like, well, what can I do? Well, I can be creative, and I can try to be witty, and I can try to be funny. Do you, do you think that you would benefit from being able to go do some public speaking class or a theater class or something like that at this point? Yeah, it's been something I'm debating about. I live out in Welton, so it'd just be a hell of a drive. Right. Just go to AWC for like two hours. <laughs> but uh, no, and, I, and I'm I've been working on like a a, a set for comedy because they're open mic nights in Yuma and stuff. So I figured like, oh, go have a couple drinks, go work open mic night in front of people who literally have no clue I am, <laughs> and then bomb it goes well whatever i still get more experience talking in front of people who don't know who i am which ultimately that's part of what independent professional wrestling is right you're gonna go to some you're gonna go to some random not random but you're gonna go to some promotion and their fans aren't gonna know anything about you and it's your job from the moment you walk out of the curtain to when you go back that they remember you so that's just something i try to do I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, getting up in front of a crowd, no matter what, good or bad, it's, def- it's definitely going to be experience and it's going to make it that much easier. Yes. So can you speak to the first time, your, your first match? Uh, actually, my first match was I showed up with my friend, Mr. Wright, to a company he was working for, and uh, someone pulled out. And at this point, I didn't even have gear. Like, I was that new. I just barely, like, my trainers were like, you're good enough to work a show. Uh, our first show is going to be on this day. I think it was, like, a month or two later. And they were like, until then, all this stuff is just going to be additional practice. Additional. But until then, it's just going to be working out and getting even better before our first show. And I just showed up with him to get my name out there as, a like, a trainee or whatever. And they're like, you, you know how to wrestle, right? And I was like, Barely, because <laughs> I like to be honest. You know, I don't like to oversell myself. And you're like, cool. You're gonna lose to our champion in a quick squash match in the opening match. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> like, because I I didn't have any gear, so I had to borrow uh, my friend Cole. He had a pair of jeans that he just had them in his bag because he has like a little travel bag for shows. He was like, "Here, those will be tight enough on you to look good." And I had, I, I, I had no, I didn't have. I borrowed his wrestling shoes, like the amateur wrestling shoe. And I did that, and the the, the company I was working for, they're like, "Here, wear a t-shirt when you go out there." <laughs> so like my first match was literally in a shirt, jeans, and wrestling shoes. <laughs> and how did it turn out? Horrible, but it was a quick match, so. So, do you think, do you ever think back on that match and, like, you know, the things that you, you could have done or you did do or how far you've come well, from that, I think I did relatively well. For, like, all all the circumstances considered, I think I did really well. Usually when you you make your um, entrance as a wrestler or your debut, it's you're generally it's best to be a face mm-hmm. because all you got because you just gotta like slap hands be like come on but i was a bad guy so i think for like not really knowing because it was also a kid's show now, that's another thing like there's a difference between like doing like a, a like an adult only show <laughs> and a kid show so like i was like what can i do what can't i do <laughs> so it's like oh you're stupid like uh <laughs> so okay yeah. so, but so I, oh go ahead no no i was i was that's fine okay so uh, outside of wrestling now what what is it some of the things that you love to geek out about uh actually i i just finished catching up on the rebuilds for evangelion oh wow yeah so you were a big evangelion anime fan? Yes, anime is definitely like 
Anime, Game of Thrones, and horror movies. Those three things outside of wrestling are pretty much would take up most of my time. Do you do you see any correlation between uh, like anime and wrestling? Like I guess story storyline wise, you you have to. Okay. It's I I think the the correlation is pretty clear. It, it's obviously not a one to one comparison mm-hmm. because we can't go Super Saiyan <laughs> yet. But it is these kind of yet <laughs> yet. Just gotta gather the people's energy for the spirit bomb. <laughs> But when you when you look at anime, there's very clearly a good guy, and there's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. There's very clearly a, a struggle, so the the good guy must get good enough to beat the bad guy. And that's pretty much the basis of most pro wrestling stories. Is the bad guy has the belt, and at every turn he's he's screwing the baby or the the good guy over, not letting him advance, costing him stuff or whatever. And then finally, the good guy, uh, like, whether it be in wrestling where they, they finally are able to get them alone in a one-on-one match or it's they, 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 they can't make it so the bad guy can run away in anime. It's like they learn a new technique or they power up and then they beat the bad guy. But then there's another bad guy you got to beat. <laughs> like, I, I especially see it as uh, it's more of a comparison with shonen style anime mm-hmm. where it's more fight-orientated. Um, there, there are some, obviously I think you can break that down where it doesn't make sense, but I, I, I like to think that's the best way I can compare it. It's like pro wrestling was almost like a real life shonen anime. Okay. So then is, uh, there anything in particular that you're excited for anime wise coming up? Because I, I know like a lot of d- uh, Netflix is doing a lot of live action versions of stuff or, you know, they also have uh, anime versions of a lot of their new shows like Altered Carbon that are going to be coming out. Uh, Honestly, like uh, as much as I'm an anime fan, I'm not really a f- huge into like much of the newer titles. Okay. I think maybe the newest one I've watched that's like relatively new is my hero academia mm-hmm. but i'm trying to think I've, i think i've watched some of fate's day night like i've dabbled in stuff but mostly i'm a fan of like the old-fashioned cell-shaded hand-drawn animation style i don't know what it is but i just i really prefer that style of animation over more modern cgi or like digitally drawn stuff I don't know what it is, but like shows like Trigun, Cowboy Bebop, Yu Yu Hakusho is my favorite anime of all time. <laughs> but like th- those style of shows where, yes, the animation quality can dip at times, but you know the reason they dipped is because the dude who had to draw those anime shells or those anime like frame by frame they had a drive thing it was probably four o'clock in the morning off like no sleep and they were like get it done and at that point like it's a labor of love it's right. not a labor of like a job so i i feel it more especially with like older anime where it's like oh okay but the creators never working on this really want to see it get made it's a passion project versus like like uh like the miyazaki films mm-hmm like, you can't tell me Princess Mononoke was not a passion project. Or, like, Ponyo. Or Spirited Away. Like, <laughs> those were obviously very, like, the people who were working on that actually took care. And I'm not saying newer animation styles don't do that. But I think I feel it more. Because yeah. there's more labor of love in it. Versus, like, using a stylus on a screen. Versus, like, having your bent your back bent over for 12 hours at a time writing like drawing frame by frame by frame first like draw the hand cut it out move it upwards copy draw the frame move the hand up copy or whatever like i mean yeah that obviously there the handheld the hand drawn stuff i mean it 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 has a a completely different feel than what you you have with digital stuff nowadays so um with Game of Thrones, how excited are you about the the, the upcoming last season? Ah, oh, man. I'm too pumped for Game of Thrones. <laughs> I think Game of Thrones might be the show I've rewatched more than any other show ever. <laughs> I just I, 
I've read all the books. Like I'm just so like I just want to know who wins at this point. Like, <laughs> the, the way they left everything, with the way everything's set up, and there are certain things that I didn't think they were bringing from because I'm trying to avoid spoilers for anyone right. that had seen the show. Right. But there are certain things from the books where I was like, oh, I guess they they're not going to bring it back. And then the last season, they're like, well, there there's a certain company across the ocean that we're going to bring in. <laughs> That's a big part of the latest book that was released. And that's like, oh God, well they're gonna bring from that now. They uh, we we yeah. have a uh, we have a after show that we do here on the on the network called uh, the Geeks Watch where we talk about Game of Thrones when it's on. So uh, I just have to, I have to ask you, how do you feel about the prospective spinoff shows that we're gonna be getting here on HBO? I'm upset we're not getting Robert's Rebellion. Ah, same here. <laughs> like that's that's one thing I I, I want to see the battle on the Trident. I want to see Old Town. I want to see the siege on Storm's End. Mostly because I want to see Stannis Baratheon some more. But I guess the Age of Heroes is an interesting time. It hasn't really been expanded upon. Even in the books, a lot of it is still shrouded in mystery and. With George taking a personal hand, like he did with Game of Thrones, to make sure everything doesn't contradict what he wants to happen, it should be fun. It'll be interesting to see if uh, the brand who built the wall is the same one who helped build Storm's End. Right. It'll be interesting to see if Land the Clever is a female, like a ton of people have been speculating. So, I'm very like hopeful that this all like turns out well. And uh, how do you feel like? How do you feel about how far away from the books the show has gone? And then like, how, how do you feel like when Martin finally gets that last book written? If it will be anything like what we see in the show? From what I understand, they know who's supposed to win. Okay. So I don't think that's going to change. But I think what we have right now is. The like we live in the best universe for Game of Thrones to exist as a TV show because mm -hmm. there's so many ways, so many other writers could have completely screwed it up. And I mean, obviously, uh, D and D kind of messed over and screwed over the Dorn storyline, and they kind of like made the Sand Snakes pointless in the end and all that. But certain things they did well. Ober and Martell is the star of every episode he's in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and no other show would put that much effort for a character who's really only in the show for one season. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It definitely so worked out like, for I, Pedro Pascal, too. Like, I think his career really blew up after that. Dude, he's such, like... If there is a god, I want it to be over in Martell, <laughs> played by Pedro Pascal. Like, I swear... <laughs> Just so great. Everything, the whole way he played that character was just to a T what I wanted. And then, so last question I want to ask you because it's a question that I'm supposed to ask at the end of every interview if I can remember to do it, but is uh, if you could have one useless superpower and it has to be useless, uh, what would it be? Well, I'm too creative. I can think of a lot of <laughs> useless powers that, like, you could find creative ways to use it. Right. But I guess trying to think useless. To be able to... Okay, I'm trying to think. Because if I'm going to go useless, I want to be really useless. Like, I guess I want I... this to be the answer I was gonna say, I guess okay. I, should re I should remind, like, I should tell this to people before we start interviewing to be like, hey, keep this in the back of your mind. That way I don't put you on the spot at the very end no, of no, the I, interview. I have one. Okay. I have one. I would like the ability to make my, fing my fingernails disappear and reappear at will. <laughs> that is truly useless. I, I, I applaud you on that, sir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say hair. But but if your hair catches fire, you can make it disappear. That's useful. That's right. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you make your fingernails disappear, you're actually more vulnerable. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so this show would probably end up going up uh, just after January, probably sometime in February. Do you know of any future uh, event dates that would be coming out around then? February 9th? Man, I'm the worst of any. Okay, February 9th is American Legion. Okay. I don't know the time yet. It'll probably be earlier than the last show we had because last show ran into like 10 ish, and we don't like to keep fans out that long. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably kick the show back to like 7 or 6. And then March 18th. But I can't spoil where that's at because okay. that's actually supposed to be a huge surprise. <laughs> All right. Is there also like a, a website or a Facebook page that people can uh, go to? Facebook and then look up Revolt Wrestling. And we should be right there. We should be the top search. And then for yourself, do you have a, do you have a Facebook page or did you want to give out your Instagram that you talked about? Okay. It's my Facebook is Aaron Andrews. So. A Aaron <laughs> Andrews, and that should be very simple. And then my Instagram, I made this when I was in high school, and I just never used it for anything until I got into wrestling. So my Instagram has the name has nothing to do with wrestling. It's actually every, so like every, and then one, like the number, chill out. So every one, chill out. Perfect. All right. So it definitely people go check out Revolt Wrestling on Facebook, Aaron Andrews on Facebook, and then also everyone chill out on Instagram. Yes. If you want to follow me, I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-R, on Twitter. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, GeekEliteRadio.com. Until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled program. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Giss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad, when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.